he sort of dances holding, what is it, like a something? It's like a pop gun. A pop gun to his crotch. And then thrusts and, up and pops the pop gun. And thrusts up and pops the pop. What's awkward about that? Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. Horror Movie Survival Guide is a weekly podcast where two unlikely gorehounds delve into our horror movie notebook from college, in which we meticulously kept track of every film we watched in the horror movie section of our local video store, in our quest to learn how to survive and to ensure we end up as, as the, the final, final girl. girl. Join Julia and Marion as we revisit the classic and obscure horror VHS we viewed and logged in our notebook, breaking each movie down one by one, speaking out over all the ghastly minutiae and ultimately illuminating the path to survival. Hello, everyone. Hi, guys. Welcome to Horror Movie Survival Guide. We're the first podcast from Indie Popcorn, recording here at the Circus. Uh, this is episode number 45. We'll be talking about Nightmare on Elm Street, part two, Freddy's Revenge. Dun, um, and uh, this episode is titled, You Are All My Children Now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, the tagline for this film is, The Man of Your Dreams is Back. <laughs> I can live with that. Um, no, okay. no, really? Uh, <laughs> well, I get it. I get it. I get it. I mean, also, this is no one knew that like this Nightmare on Elm Street thing was going to be a thing of like a kajillion films. So I feel like the idea of like Man of Your Dreams, right. come back, because this could be it for him. Sure. Yeah, they didn't well, know. the person who, who really didn't want this to come back <laughs> was Wes Craven. Yeah. Who was really not, not into the sequel at all. And, yeah. and, and you knew why. I know yeah. why. Um, so this, this is a hard one for, for us because Nightmare on Elm Street's our, our favorite horror film. So mm-hmm. like to go from like the pinnacle of all that is amazingness yeah. to this one is a little bit of a rough drop. Yeah. Well, it's just like there's the, the expectation is just really high. And I feel like I don't think that Nightmare on Elm Street is an undoable. Like, I don't I don't think that like, oh, there was no way you could have made a sequel for this. That wouldn't have been amazing or whatever. But I just think because I think the idea, the premise is great and the premise can keep going and the premise can have different people as it will forever. Um but I just think that there was so, so much that was interesting and shocking about the first one that mm-hmm. you just like that initial introduction to a concept of like, if I die in my dreams, I can die in real life. I feel like unless you're adding another concept on top of that to right. this world, like, oh, here's an element or a dimension of it that you hadn't thought of. It's just a really high bar. Sure. And why would you not? Why would Heather Lang, Why would you not make it about Nancy? Like maybe Heather Langenkamp was like solidarity with Wes, like I'm not going to do it. But it seems strange to take away from yeah. her. Well, but it, again, it's, I think this is one of the reasons we picked this is because this is doing a sequel in a completely different way. You're right. not taking in this and sort of this way of doing a sequel. You totally abandon your core characters or right. final girls or final boys or whatever. You keep your villain, but you are introduced to a brand new set of characters who do what is now the very cliche thing in sequels, where they move into the house or move into the town where the original setting was for the first one. And then it happens all over again. Um, but in a slightly different twist in this one Um, but yeah I mean that's just this is a different way so they're they're not going the Halloween 2 route with this they're going off to completely different which is funny because the next sequel they do go back to Nancy and they do go back yeah but so um, they they see the error of their ways yes they they, they retro connect a little bit but they were they were not interested in this one they wanted to do something different and in this case they flip a lot of things on their head in this sequel and one of which is uh, the having a boy as the Mm -hmm. protagonist you and I've talked about is very very rare but they still have it ending in why because his name is jesse yep that's true um, so and if the internet is to be believed uh some of the folks who auditioned for the role of jesse oh okay include mm-hmm. uh brad pitt okay john stamos oh. really how funny okay. christian slater 
Okay. Oh. I'm Michael J. Fox. Wow. Says the internet. Says so the internet. Okay, got I would it. like to picture those things, yeah. whether or not it's true. Yeah. Uh, well, it's 1985, too, so you're just like, wow. Like, the choices? The choices. And it's interesting, because you have... Uh, this movie is actually made a year later, but mm-hmm. takes place five years later. Yeah, you know what? The funny thing is, I, I didn't catch that until, like, a little bit in, later into this movie. Uh, a couple characters are talking about whether or not... Nancy was in there her class and it was like oh before my time and I was thinking like but it's the next year but it's not supposed to be the next yeah. year yeah that's so, so the crazy. timeline for nightmares all like pushed forward five years so it's like don't it, totally in the know future. why that is yeah so it takes place in 1990 1990 1990 or, or 89 right right okay yeah it yeah. to be 89 if the original is 84 yeah but you're just like okay mysterious four years in the future I don't know what that's about but all right um so the beginning of this movie is um there's a school bus coming down a lane um coming down Elm Street and um the driver is 100% Robert Englund without Yay. makeup on <laughs> um and it's a very 80s school bus um it's like there's just like you have like the boombox kid in the back everyone's wearing so much pastel like it just I guess this is what they thought 1989 would look like um and um and then as they're going you know kids are kind of getting off the bus one by one and we're uh there's like kind of a very lonely looking kid in the back uh who who's our lead who's jesse and for some reason he looks like a tuberculosis victim like in the beginning of this movie because he has this look in this bus sequence that he doesn't have for the rest of the movies yeah. not in any other dream sequences in this movie so i don't know he just looks like he's very ill yes what it looks like to me like his hair is plastered down he's very sweaty he's very pale like he and looks like th- this as your introduction to this character is crazy it is crazy it's not who he is really at For all the rest of the movie yeah mm-hmm. so it's just this like i have no idea what that's about so basically it's like everyone gets off the bus except for jesse and two girls and then the bus starts going faster and faster and faster and then suddenly the bus kind of speeds off into the desert and the kids are bouncing around and everyone's screaming and horrified and the driver becomes freddie um and uh and the sequence got a little like beetlejuice to me because i felt like the desert they were going through was very sandworms were like okay. the super big blue sky uh-huh. and um and uh basically the bus ends up kind of parking itself and the ground kinds of kinds of fall, fall falls away and they're sort of on this mountainous crag like just kind of suspended Teetering. yeah like back and forth like are they gonna fall what are they gonna do and freddie starts coming down the aisles with his claws and everyone's freaking out and then jesse wakes up sweating and it's a dream opening dream sequence it's, a, it's i mean it, it's a good I don't like the hamminess of Freddy immediately, mm-hmm. but I do like the kind of very uneasy dream sequence mm-hmm. feel of it, which is yeah. nice. And that's exactly how the original Nightmare starts with the right. dream sequence. Of so course. you're just like, okay, not not too crazy. Um, so Jesse comes downstairs and we meet uh, his parents, played by Clue Gulliger. Clue Gulliger and Who's Hope a Lang. Terrible dad. <laughs> He's really awful in this. You just have to add him to like the the pantheon of like dick dads in horror movies. Yeah, who are just, that's, who are a, just, that's yeah. a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, but they have recently, uh, them and uh, uh, Jesse's little sister have recently moved into Nancy's house, the Elm Street house. Um, and and everything is kind of. In the beginning, it seems like very much they've made this conscious effort to make everything the opposite, whatever the setup was of the previous film. So sort of a girl lead, you have a boy lead. And instead of um, having a par- the parents who are, you know, divorced and having the worst marriage ever, you have two parents who seem very strong and very much are a family. And Nancy was an only child and Jesse has a sibling and like kind of all this stuff. Kind where, of useless sibling. Yeah, but no, sibling. totally expendable. But like, the, but the, the, the setup is very, and then, you know, and, and Glenn is a girl in this yeah. movie, sort of the Glenn character is a girl in this movie. And so I feel like there's very much the conscious effort where like they're going to make everything 
opposite. Like that's the sequel track that they've decided to go. Yeah. Where like they're not. It's not going to be. This isn't Halloween two. Like right. this is totally different. Um, and so then we meet Lisa, uh, who is sort of the girl who is sweet on Jesse. Uh, and they get into drive a car that looks a lot like Glenn's car. Mm. Um, and they go to school in that car. Um, and then you have this uh, scene where you meet uh, they're all they're, uh, like PE and they're all playing baseball and we meet Grady who's like the movie jerk who's the Rod basically yeah right who even looks like Rod who looks it's like just Rod. Robert Russler like Nick Corey <laughs> kind of like yeah um, who's just basically the jerk of the movie and uh, and they're playing baseball and he and Jesse like get into it and start having a fight it's kind of a weird fight because they pull down each other's pants mm-hmm. um, during the fight. Like, they're sort of wrestling and then... You get to see Jesse's ass. You do, and they're each pulling down each other's pants completely. Yeah, which you're like, okay, all right. Um, and then... Pantsing is a thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's like a pretty common thing. That's yeah, like it's like, thing. it's a, not only... I'm, ju- I'm just going to humiliate you in front of everybody, you know? It's shorthand. I guess so. Um, but uh, but then the coach makes them hold this, like, their, as their punishment is to, like, hold this push-up position, um, and which they do... But then Grady just starts immediately start talking to him like they're friends, yeah. like just like, hey, so what's the deal with you and Lisa? Hey, so, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I like that in the beginning, Jesse's kind of weirded out by it. But as soon as and he sort of tells them like, oh, you know, do you know that the, our coach is like super into S&M, right? Like, do you know that he's super into guys like you? Like Grady tells pretty, them. Pretty like, boys like you. Yeah. Grady tells them that like our coach, like you're you're his type. Like that's that's how that works. And so then the boys tell him to the coach tells him to like hit the showers and you're done. And when they're in the locker room that's when Grady kind of tells him like hey you know you moved into Nancy's house right like do you know what happened to the girl in that house went like crazy and they like put bars on her window and she went nuts and her mom died and like her boyfriend got killed and like all this kind of stuff like just so you know you're you're in a crazy person's house and he's like what what (laughs) what are you what are you talking about um and uh and so and then you kind of have uh that night there's there's just there's so much of like jesse sleeping going to bed waking up dreaming of course i'm right up yeah i mean that's there's just a lot of that and so he definitely does that thing where he sees something outside his window and he goes and investigates and he comes around the side of the house and he sees freddie in the basement uh and taking the glove um, out of the boiler. Where we know from the first film mm-hmm. that the glove is. That's where uh, Nancy's mom put it. Yep. Um, after they killed him. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, uh, mommy killed him. Mommy killed him. <laughs> so you don't have to worry about anything. Um, and uh, so then Jesse, you know, rather than just being like, oh, oh my God, a weird burn man wearing a fedora is like in my basement, um, comes back in the house and starts to go down the basement. Like, oh, I'm going to go talk to that man, right. I guess. Um, but sort of thinks twice about it and shuts the door again and then starts calling for his dad. But it's too late and Freddie's already like up in the hallway um, and uh, kind of sort of teases Jesse a little bit and like has his claws over his face and says that he's going to need his like, I've got the brains, you've got the body. Um, I'm going to need your body for a little bit. And Jesse's kind of like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, and then Freddie takes off his hat and... What would you say? Like rips off his skull, like uh-huh. rips off and literally shows him his brains. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Jesse has a real good freak out. Uh, his about scream that. is amazing. Yeah. There's a, and that's the other part of this movie is like there, Jesse is like one of the few guy, probably one of the only guy characters, honestly, who when he screams, it's like full girl scream. It's like, amazing. it's just high pitch. It's not like, oh, like okay. it's not, there's no manly screaming. Like it's no, just, it's, he's like, like really high pitched 
girl scream, like 100% full out, completely terrified. Like, yeah. Well, that's one of the things about having a guy as your lead is you you are robbed of the uh, excellent scream. And mm-hmm. here we get it. No, so. he goes for it. Um, And then so then they have uh, the classroom scene, which, you know, in the original film was sort of, you know, we talk about a lot of times these classroom scenes are like they're always in English class and they're reading like Shakespeare yeah. or something that's going to be thematically relevant. In this one, it was like digestion like it was not, like not you know at all. i was like was that like a purpose like we're really again because we're in the land of opposites now we're purposely going to do the most like anti-shakespeare thing and so it's going to be like science class talking about digestion or and i don't then, know and then there's just like crazy snake gag. but jesse falls asleep again right and then there's yeah like this the class snake has gotten out of its cage and has wrapped itself around him what a, what a handy screenwriting tool I, do you know what I mean the you're class just like snake. okay um, and so uh, Jesse comes home and he wants to go uh, hang out with Lisa but his dad says no you have to go upstairs and clean your room oh thanks for telling him that dad because um, we're going to get one of the greatest <laughs> montages dance montages in, in, in horror history but let's break down why this is great because it's not because of the dancing I have to say uh, the dancing is pretty awkward and limited uh-huh. I would describe um, that's fair and um, and like without probably any discernible rhythm or whatever so it's but basically he's got shades on so that like he adds does so points. there's like shades and snapping and like using his butt to close drawers uh-huh. and uh, and and I don't even know how you want to describe. He sort of dances holding, what is it, like a something? It's like a pop gun. A pop gun to his crotch. And then thrusts and, up and pops the pop gun. And thrusts up and pops the pop. What's awkward about that? Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. Um, yeah. And there's just a lot of shots of the gun in his crotch while he's hit. Ooh, I mean, Marion's gyrating, you guys. Just like moving it around. Yeah. You you're just like, what kind, of, what kind of dance is this? I don't know what kind of dance this is. I think I read later that they were trying, like, Risky Business was like hot stuff. And so they were, yeah. and I was like, this was trying to be Risky Business? Like, this is, he's got a little less charisma than Tom Cruise. This is, just a and little. The moves are strange uh, to say the least so then Lisa and the mom show up in the middle of this and he's like oh record scratch uh, hey guys like every yeah. 80s movie you guys there's gotta be some weird dance thing yeah. right of course yeah um, this is excellent I like I like <laughs> that part of this film to be honest yeah uh, it's something so she offers to help him clean up the room um, and then when they do they discover conveniently uh, Nancy's diary mm-hmm. um, and uh, so they start kind of reading through it and she mentions basically like everything that they from the you know it's like Tina and Glenn and Rod and like everything that's going on and in the beginning they're kind of reading it she's also like talking about Glenn so it's sort of like oh gossipy like titillating kind of stuff and then and she starts talking about Freddie and like the dreams that she has. And Jesse's like, mm, this sounds familiar. I know that guy. I know this guy. Um, and so he falls asleep again. And then when he wakes up or when he starts having this dream again where everything is melting in his room, which was kind of cool. Yeah. Like all the records are like bending over mm-hmm. the drawers and everything. Um, and he sees Freddie again in the boiler room. And this time in the dream, Freddie is asking him overtly to kill for him. Why? I want you to kill for me. So... So this is what we're doing, boys and girls. So this version of Nightmare on Elm Street has decided that instead of it sort of being like your lead character is being chased and hounded by Freddy, it's very much about the lead character becoming possessed in his dreams by Freddy and being turned into the mechanism to be the killer. Right. And that's kind of the world that we're living in. So again, it's like they're super, again, this this version of a sequel is like really reinventing the wheel, like flipping right. everything which, on its head. Which is unfortunate it. because you don't need to. And I know that this is the big one of the big 
big problems that Wes Craven had with this film. He's like, Freddy doesn't need anyone to kill for him. Like, mm-hmm. he's doing it himself just fine. Like, you don't need this. I understand it's different. No, 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 for sure. I understand sure. it's sequel. Yeah. But it's an inconsistency yeah. in the Freddy saga. I also think it's an excuse to have the ability to kill people outside of their dreams. Which is which, why I do that. If you, like, that's yeah, the whole point of this Which film. I think is a big, which was, I mean, you know, Freddy is going to go down a, a, a rabbit hole of just really evolving as a character, if you want to call it that. Um, into becoming something very different than how he started. But in the initial kind of way of looking at the character, what was scary was like that was the only place where he could get you, but it's the only place where you're not on equal footing. Right. And once you put Freddy out in the real world, like an enormous pool party later, it gets a little mm-hmm. silly because yes. then it's sort of like you have this guy with makeup and claws running around and it's, you know, well, you're, you're it, out of the world of shadows and well, you know what I mean? The, he's in the real world at the end of, end of the first one. Like she pulls him out into the real world. Yeah, but, yeah. But, but even she there. pulls him out. Right. It's like that's not where he's hanging out. So by, so yeah, it's kind of a thing where I feel like they just use it because they want to have the ability to kill people not in their dreams. Mm, I think. Screenwriting. I Agreed. Um, so then we have the weird parakeet scene. Yeah, so the so the the they're complaining about how hot it is in the house. Yes. The, like the the heat is very warm, mm-hmm. so warm in fact that the family parakeet starts freaking out and flying all around the room and then spontaneously combusts. Yes. I think this is meant to be one of those things where like animals sense danger before we do. Oh. Why it bursts into flames, I couldn't tell you. Okay. Um other than it's just like other than you have to have a lot of like parakeet POV attacking Clue and attacking Jesse and it's, it's and then a, like lightning bolt goes through the window and hits the dish rack and then the toaster is like exploding but it's not plugged in. I don't know. I don't. But know. we're not in a dream. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because like if this is Freddy stuff, like why is Freddy doing that? Because if it's just like, look, I'm going to take you over. Like right. you're at a weak point in your life or whatever, and so I'm going to use that to like make you know you're going to be really terrified of me, and I'm going to make you my killer. What is Exploding parakeets and appliances catching on fire have to do with that? Mm. Inconsistencies. Um, so we have more Jesse sleeping. So much Jesse sleeping. Mm-hmm. Um, and he uh, gets up and decides to go for a walk in the rain yep. um, and ends up at an S&M club. I wish that happened to me more um. often. Where I'm like, I can't sleep. I better start walking. Where am I? Ah, S&M I'm club. just at this S&M club. Um, and his coach is there in full S&M gear. Uh-huh. And I like that when his coach sees him, he's not like, what? Uh, excuse me. What are you doing here? He just kind of saddles up to him at the bar and is like, hey. Yeah. And then they drive together to the gym where he makes him, while he's still in his S&M outfit, he makes Jesse run laps around yeah. the gym while he watches him. And As then, punishment for finding him at the S&M bar? I guess so. And then makes him go take a shower. And then there's a lot of very prolonged shower, Jesse's taking a shower sequence. And then you have one of like the most bizarro Freddy kills. I think, I guess it's a Freddy kill, Freddy slash Jesse kill right. ever, where the coach, I think he's has he changed out of his outfit? I can't yeah, remember. He's okay, take he's, a shower. Yeah, he's now he's he... also going to take a shower. Um and the balls all in his uh in the uh sort of storage area start attacking him, flying out and it's like really beating extended. him up. Yeah. And it goes on. Like it's just it's like just tennis like, balls, basketball, pew, soccer balls. Pew, yeah. Pew. Just, you know, like shelves moving and things like that. And then two jump ropes grab him by his wrists and drag him into the shower. And st- like put tie him up really high with his like you know front of him is facing the wall, and then it strips him naked. Yep. Um, and then these towels start floating towards him, and they whip him on his 
bottom <laughs> quite a bit. Um, that goes on for quite a bit. And I'm I like, can't what? believe I haven't seen this. You guys. Yeah, I'm and so I'm like, sorry. why is Freddie doing this? Why is Freddie? Why would Freddie do this? Why would Freddie whip this man's? That's the part I, don't, I understand for, the dragging by jump ropes. It's it's the ass whipping I don't understand. Like it's that's the just, stripping you naked before I kill you and ass whipping. Before I kill you, none part. of those seem very Freddy Krueger to me. Not at all. But they Not might seem all. a little Jesse. So maybe. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I because mean, we see Jesse seeing this with horror. Yes. But then oh, maybe it's his nightmare. So yeah, that's but, some dude's nightmare. But maybe sort of. But then it's he not a it. nightmare though, because because so so then yeah, so then Freddie. So it's like Jesse is kind of watching this happen in the shower, and then it's like the steam fills up the room, and then suddenly Freddie emerges from where Jesse was and slashes the coach to death. But then it like cuts to them knocking at the front door of the parents and they have Jesse who's like naked and, you know, wrapped in a blanket. And they're like, oh, hey, we found your kid wandering in the street. So like it it wasn't a dream like that happened. Right. Like that really happened. So he's not dreaming this like that. All of that happened. And then it's like he goes to school the next morning. They're like, hey, did you hear the coach got it in the shower and he was naked and all the stuff. So you're like. Because I feel like Jesse goes to bed thinking, oh, maybe that was just a crazy dream. Like I was sleepwalking or something. But then all of it really happened, so... And they never really... uh, They don't ever really deal with that. Like, if Jesse did it, shouldn't he be a suspect? Shouldn't he be being arrested for this? Like, shouldn't Because you found him wandering in the streets? Yeah. And he was Like, naked and and disoriented? Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't... Yeah, I I don't... These Elm Street cops are not... (laughs) Not the sharpest knives in the drawer. Uh Yeah. Um... So that's a little strange. And then uh, you do have another secondary amazing Jesse scream where he, just after that shower sequence and the coach is dead, he looks down at his hand and his hand is the Freddy glove. And it is, I think that scream tops the previous scream mm-hmm. where it's a magnificent, like, full-out scream. But Lisa, of course, wants to help him. Yes. Because she feels like mm-hmm. they have a real connection here. Yes. I don't really see their connection. They don't have one. No, um, yeah. they don't. But yeah. we want they want us to think that they do. Right. Uh, and so, because his parents kind of think he's on drugs and what's going on. And so she kind of does some research into Fred Krueger. And, and so she takes Jesse to a power plant and sort of like, yeah, this is where he used to bring his kids. Like, this is kind of the deal. And they kind of wander around the power plant and are like, all right, kind of getting more of a... I don't know, like, does it feel familiar to you at all? And Jesse's like, not really. Um, and then they have another school, um, sort of a, a sequence in a ca- the cafeteria where, again, they're all hanging out with Grady again. Right. I'm like, you hate this guy. And he is, he does that whole scene with his mouth full. What is that actor's choice I there? don't know. Where he really? Does, like, like not just a, a little, bite. not just a little full. Like, really, I'm going to do this entire scene with my mouth full. Yeah, and he has quite and a bit go, of dialogue. I can't here. understand what you're saying, sir. And, no. And it just makes him more like a jerk. Like, it yeah. just, and so you're more like, why are you guys hanging out? But they're all talking about Lisa's pool party and it's going to be Lisa's pool party tonight. You come oh, into the boy. pool party. Let's find out about the pool party. Um, do you like Lisa? I kind of do. She looks so much like Meryl Streep. It's frightening yeah. to me in this movie. Um, the, I mean, I do in the sense that, I mean, we're sort of like dancing around it, but they have, this movie has, has is like on the internet, it's like known for having these like homoerotic tones and like that's a big deal. That It's supposed to be, if you, you know, really read Breathing Lies, like Jesse's obviously like a gay character and like a huge part of his struggle in this movie and why Freddie's able to take advantage of it is that he is has not come out, is not comfortable with that, is not, you know, whatever. And so that's, and I've kind of read a little bit where people sort of talk about since Freddie was a pedophile that it's like, He's like equal opportunity, boys and what? girls. Kind of, 
this is what I've read. I'm just telling you. That's um, ridiculous. Like, but that's but that's also like so like you know so why would that why like why would you even make that part of the character? Like, what does right. that have to do with anything? Or the idea of like seducing like a seduction being for guys and girls equally that that being part of it. But basically, like he finds like sort of whatever your weaknesses, whatever your right. time in life. And because Nancy was sort of at this point where like her family had kind of fallen apart and her parents hated each other and all this kind of stuff. So like he got in right. and like this is Jesse's struggle. He got in. Sure. But obviously Lisa doesn't see it. But so they have this kind of strange scene where they're at the pool party and they start making out uh, and they seem to be going for yeah. it. And then all of a sudden he kind of morphs into Freddy again. Like, yeah, like Freddy tongue so comes like his, out of Freddy his mouth. tongue comes out of his mouth and then he freaks out and gets up and like puts his clothes back on and, you know, runs out and she's like left kind of crying. Like, I don't understand. Like, you she's like a terrible me. crier. She has so much crying to do in this movie and she's really bad. She says it's Jesse. She says Jesse almost as much as Kiefer says Michael. Like there's like so much like Jesse, Jesse. I just like we I feel like, you know, we're am I supposed to feel about Jesse and Lisa the way I feel about Nancy and Glenn? Because I sure don't. Like, am I supposed I don't to be, like, so because, rooting for them? And because they're a proper couple. I just think I only kind of like Lisa a little bit because, you know, Jesse is just kind of like a whiny, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't really do anything to remedy the situation for him. I feel like part of this role reversal is that, like, Glenn didn't really do anything for Nancy either. But Nancy was the one who sorted it out. Really, like, Lisa's the one who sorts it out in this movie. Right. Lisa's the one who's, like, spoilers, is ultimately going to save Jesse. And, like, Lisa's the one, like, without him, Jesse's toast. Yeah. Like, Jesse's done. And he done. doesn't research anything himself. No. He doesn't try to figure out what's going on. Absolutely He's just not. kind of wandering, helpless. Freaks out, screams, whatever. You know what I mean? And Lisa's like, listen to me. Like, we are, you know. Yeah. And so I feel like I always like that character more in horror movies. And so I feel like she is... She is the doing that in this movie, but it's not the protagonist who's doing it. It's the sort of girlfriend-ish, but not character. Um, and so basically, like, so they, you know, they do the whole makeout thing. If that doesn't work out, he immediately goes over to Grady's, um, who is sleeping in his bed and comes into his room. In a super his, 80s room. In a super 80s room um, and tells him, you know, everything that just happened. And he's like, you know, Fred Krueger's like taking me over and like, I'm, you know, I'll be a killer. And they kind of do a retread of that issue of that uh, moment where Nancy tells Glenn, I want you to watch me. Like, mm-hmm. what, don't fall asleep, watch me. And so he tells Grady, I want you to watch me. Like, I'm going to sit here on this chair, fall asleep. And if I get up, if I try and do anything, you, you know, you, you watch me. Um, and, uh, and Grady's like, okay. Like, I don't know why he has some ridiculous line where he's like, you don't want to be with your girlfriend. You want to sleep with me or something like that. And you're like, okay, movie. Um, but like they, but they, but he's kind of like, all right, I'll do it. And then of course he doesn't do it. And then Jesse immediately falls asleep. Um, and they do kind of a, sort of a transformation. It's a good transformation. So you have, uh, Freddy's claw comes out of his hand. Right. uh, And then you see Freddy's eye out in Jesse's mouth. Yeah. Which is great. Uh And then you just have Freddy's face coming out of his chest and just Mm -hmm. like all the way pushes through him and becomes Freddy. It's a good transformation. Yeah. And then Grady sees it and it's just like, Oh my God. And then tries to get out, but he can't get out. Um, and then his parents are on the other side of the door. Like who, and his dad's Ferris's dad. His dad, I did see that. It's like like the only time we see his dad. Hey Ferris's dad. Oh, sorry about your kid, by the way. Um, uh, yeah. And so, uh, he, you know, you know, tries to get out of the room and he can't, and they do the kind of the claws through the door bit um and uh you don't really see like close-up of grady's death no um but yeah basically he's like clawed to death and then immediately he turns right back into jesse and jesse sees what he's done freaks out looks in a mirror freddie is looking back at him and it's like the damn you all to hell bit and you know all that kind of stuff um so he runs escapes out of a window 
immediately goes back to Lisa and has a pretty good freakout scene Uh um, with Lisa where he comes in covered in Grady's blood and Lisa's like, whoa, what is happening right now? And he's just like, no, I'm crazy. I'm insane. I'm an insane killer. Like, I'm Fred Krueger. And she's like, okay, okay. Like, you need to calm down. Whose blood is this? What's going on? And then he turns into Freddy again and starts attacking Lisa. And they definitely have that thing where... You know, Freddie is now like we see Freddie attacking Lisa and she has, you know, is kind of kicking him and trying to get away and gets a butcher knife. But then Jesse's voice starts coming out of Freddie's mouth where it's like, help me. And then it's like, kill me. Right. And, and then, you know, and he, she's saying, fight him. And she's yeah. saying, he can't fight me. Yeah. I'm him. Yep. And it's, you know, I mean, like I feel free in the situation, but also horror movies are a good tip kill him like yeah. he's gone he's yeah. gone kill like when guy. you're you know what i mean when your loves are possessed by a super demon that's and trying he has to kill somebody you. else's blood all over them you probably just want to kill that guy yeah they're gone they're gone or mm-hmm. they could take over your pool party oh yeah <laughs> and turn it into a real chaotic slaughterfest. Uh, slaughter fest yeah uh so okay so here so so we have freddie out of a dream this yep. is freddie in real life yeah so you have Dozens of people running and screaming from Freddy, who they see in real life. Who none of them are sleeping. No. Everyone's totally awake. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's just coming for them. And they have, you know, this shot of him with fire behind him. And you are all my children now kind yep. of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, so this little fun fact, um, uh, this is the first horror movie I can remember watching it. Oh, okay. So my friend, when I was growing up, uh, was a boy and he was like, let's watch Nightmare on the Street Part 2. I hadn't seen the first one. Okay. And I was like, yeah, fine. Um, and I can, it terrified me i was uh-huh. horrified of freddy cougar for years yeah and i remember it specifically this sequence huh fucked me up really like i look at it now i'm like this is nothing but i at, you know at yeah. whatever how this is 85 i'm like mm-hmm. six years old mm-hmm. uh the fact that there's people being trampled mm-hmm. and also the pool catches fire yeah. or like the pool's like boiling yeah. and like mm-hmm. boiling people in it and those things had never crossed my six-year-old mind yeah and yeah so this sequence even though now i loathe it yeah at, i have it had it had staying power at one point well and also too this is sort of one of the sequences too where freddie has supernatural powers that are beyond that are in the real world because like people are trying to escape and like when they touch the um the fence it like electrocutes them or burns them Mm -hmm. so it's like he so it's not even like oh i can manifest myself in the real world and i'm a killer with crazy claws but it's like i still have powers and i can make water boil and like boil and then he like fireball walks into a wall and like disappears and i don't know but like you're jesse but you're not confusing don't know don't understand and does seem less scary i would be okay with it if it really was jesse if you just like stick with that and just make it jesse and like make it plausible that it's him but this you're like well it can't be him because how can he possibly be doing all these things yeah like he's not super super patrol powerful you know what i got totally Mm -hmm. um yeah i don't know um but uh so basically also the whale noises what's up with the fucking Whale noises? Like in all the big killing scenes, there's like whale noises. You do not notice that? No. What are you talking about? Whale noises? What whale noises? Like <laughs> humpback whale noises? Yes. What do you mean? <laughs> like as Freddy's killing people, there's like whale noises yes. in the background? What are you talking about? I don't hear any whale noises. Okay. Really? Yeah. Whale noises. Well, now I have my homework tonight. I'm going to yeah. go look for some whale noises. Mm-hmm. Okay. Huh. No, I didn't hear that at all. That's so weird. I don't know if it's supposed to, they're supposed to be like dreamy noise, crazy stuff. Oh, okay. I don't know. That's so, I don't know. Um, but anyway, so Lisa goes to the plant because she's like, that's where he fireball walked to, I guess. And, and, and the, six-year-old also remembers the dogs with like the horrible human faces. What is that supposed to be about? Yeah, so I she walks know. to the plant and then we see a, a collection of insane looking creatures. Yeah, two hounds like, with people faces, which was 
confusing more than scary, I think. Um, Burned into my brain. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I was just like, what who, What are these things about? Um, I was puzzled more than terrified. Right. Um, right. As a golden woman, you're like, what are those? Oh, we never see those again. Yeah. Okay. All right. I guess that didn't matter. That was a lot of money for those effect shots. And then there was also like the weird demon cat and the demon rat, which you saw for like a nanosecond yeah. and then disappeared. And so Lisa's basically, it's sort of a retread of sort of teen in the boiler room, only it's Lisa in the power plant. And then eventually she comes across Freddy um, and she's sort of like willing, you know, come on, Jesse, you can come back. And she says that she loves him. And then she kisses him. Kisses Freddy. She fully kisses Freddy. Um, but it works. Um, and then he's like, no. And then like a spontaneous fire happens. Um, and then Freddy's like burned to death. And then out of the Freddy shell emerges, sort of like Ghostbusters, when uh-huh. like Sigourney Weaver comes out of the dog. Yeah, yeah it's like that. Um, and he comes out of the shell. And he kind of looks at her a little crazy. And then she cries some more. And then she they cries hug. so There's much. lots of crying. And then, like, they hug it out. And uh, she basically saves him. Um, and so, like, her love, Lisa's heterosexual love, <laughs> saves this character. Um, and then they have this sort of epilogue where they're back in the bus. And it's very much like kind of the original nightmare where it's like, everything's okay now. Let's just go to school and be happy. Um, and uh, they get in, they get on the bus. And he's like, isn't this going a little fast? Isn't it going fast? And they're like, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. And then um, Lisa's friend, I think, literally says, like, what does she say? Like, everything's great now or like we're, we can put it all behind us. And then Freddie's hand bursts out of her chest and then they scream and the bus goes off into the desert again. So, um, so does this mean that the entire movie has been a, a dream? I mean, it would make no. more sense. Yeah, yeah. It really would. Because like in real life... Who if 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 Jesse did not kill people like who killed Grady and the and the film right. and the jump teacher? No, teacher. I don't think so. I think it's just like they're doing the epilogue because the first movie did the epilogue and right. also fun times. So you know, I I don't think that it's like really well thought out in terms of like that, and that's the problem I have with this film. Yeah. it does not feel well thought out at all. It just I, feels very kind of slapdash. Like, and what if we did this? What if we tried this? What if we did this? Because I think this movie is so trying really hard to rail against the original. You know, in a way that I feel like sometimes interesting things can come out of it. Like I think. Think that's sort of like that alien aliens thing mm-hmm. where like you're not doing you know you're going to just take it tonally in a different direction your lead character is going to be you know and so but in this world it's like it doesn't again because of sort of these lack of consistencies it doesn't really work like the way that you set up how freddie works and what is scary about him they're just like but what if we didn't yeah but what if not Right. You know, and it's just it. I and I think those choices make the character less scary because he's in broad daylight, and nope. the right. fight with Lisa is not scary. No, do you know what I mean? And the fight with Nancy is very scary. Yeah, and with Lisa, it's just not, and it's like overly lit, and it just looks like a weird guy in your house, and I don't know. Yeah, and it's weird because like I think people, you know, generally go like, oh, I like Nightmare One and Three, and I yeah. think because you have Nancy coming back, you also have like the rules are back. Yes, and it's like living in that world again, and mm-hmm. I think. It's okay to to try to go in a different direction, but you have to kind of live in that same world yeah. or else it doesn't really work. And yeah. they're trying to bring it in a little bit with Nancy's house and her diary and the whole bit. Yeah. But it's just at a whole not Well, and really... also, or the idea too of turning your protagonist into your villain, like kind of Candyman style, where it's a little bit like, join me, be a killer too, all these kind of things. Right. Like that could be cool. I dig that, but just not with Freddy. It doesn't work. Yeah. I, uh, I did say though at the very end, I don't know if you noticed, but I was like, hey, it's a song from Lady in White. 
It's did oh, you? Oh, I didn't. It's, uh, you, have you ever seen a dream? Walking? Oh, I oh I didn't. See it. That's that's really funny. That and the whale noises, I totally missed. Um, <laughs> Where, what movie did you watch? I don't know. Um, Gore well, Factor. Someone probably taped the audio of the movie and listened to it before. <laughs> and they were like, we got to take out that whale noise. Sing. <laughs> uh, Gore Factor. One, not enough blood to fill a Dixie cup. Two, puddle of blood. Three, enough blood to gross out the average viewer. Four, bathtub of blood. And five is run for the barf bag. Um, and we gave this a four. It's good. Um, it's yeah. Gore. I mean, it's gross. I will give it, like, it still has all the Freddy, the blood and the kills and, you know, like, the glove hand is still doing its thing. And plus a little bit of uh, bare gym teacher ass being <laughs> hit by towels. by towels. What? How is that scary? It's never scary. No. Uh, the movie rating, uh, one, five chainsaws, one, if you're desperate, two, barely qualifies as a horror film, three, see more, see better, four, not too shabby, and five, fantastic oracle. And we, I gave this a three. I gave this a two and a half. I think yeah. that's fair. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I think also too, it's it's. I do think the idea of changing everything, trying to spin everything on its head in your version of a sequel is an interesting one. But I do that that consistency thing that we keep talking out talk about, like whatever. But if you have like new rules, your rules just have to kind of make sense a little bit. And you would hope that your new rules would at least be as scary as the original. And in this case, like their new choices, I don't think are scarier or even as scary. No, not at all. And, and you know, the problem with it, it too is just that, uh, you know, horror movie survival guide way, Jess is a terrible final boy. He's <laughs> awful. He's so like passive and whiny and like doesn't do anything never yeah. never really takes things into his own hands yeah it's always somebody else doing it for him i think yeah. that's a little disappointing i mean literally like his girlfriend saves him yeah you know like, he does nothing to save himself at all there's no cleverness no ingenuity where he's like all right i've had it i'm not a killer yeah. you know nope never doesn't. just like lisa please come save me and she does but you know so yeah we need a little bit more stepping up in our in our final characters i agree uh, so next week will be the last in our sequel round mm-hmm. in which we will be talking about The Exorcist 2. Yeah, that's great. That Like the pressure on that, enormous. Yeah, no big. No it's big. Just, you're just going to gonna make a sequel to The Exorcist. No big yeah, deal. Yeah, starring Linda Blair. Yeah. Well, what could happen? <laughs> and, t- and Richard Burton. Let's find out. I know. Let's find out. <laughs> see you next week, folks. All right. See you then, guys. <laughs>